This is Johnny Silva. I'm the pastor at Dilly First United Methodist Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. It's been kind of a bittersweet week. Um, so this last Thursday was the, the last day of the uh, summer school that I've been teaching. And I didn't know these students before, um, but I have been spending, what, eight hours a day, four days a week for a month. So we got to know each other pretty well. Um, and so there is a little bit bittersweet because, um, again, I hadn't known them before, but we got to know each other. And this was at West Campus um, in the um, South San Antonio ISD. And it was really interesting because I didn't know them, but then they came to trust me. And one of the things I was kind of uh, real, really excited about is that they were able to accomplish a lot in a short period of time. And I was kind of halfway kidding with them when I said, man, you've done so well. Imagine what you could have done if you actually came to school during the year and showed up and did the work. I mean, you wouldn't even have to be here. But so it was good to see that, that they were encouraged, that they can do the things that they um, had set out to do. Um, I had one student that, I mean, she did like five or six different classes. Like she completed all the credits for five or six different classes, like A and B, all those together. Um, so, I mean, she did a lot. And in, in thinking about that, I was thinking that I, I wanted to make sure that I made a connection with these students. Because this is a, a time that I, I will never, probably never see them again. But at this time, at this place, I was able to make a connection with them. And then because they knew that I was a pastor, they were sharing some things and they were comfortable with me to share some things that um, was kind of troubling them maybe or maybe some things that um, they were just kind of struggling with. And so I was maybe a little bit more than a teacher to them, just teaching credit recovery, which doesn't seem to be a whole lot. But for them, it seemed to be something that was that they looked forward to. So there was a little bit of a trouble like uh, at the beginning, they didn't, weren't showing up and that sort of stuff. But then once they saw like, oh, okay, well I can do this and it's actually gonna help me get a little bit further and a little bit uh, caught up a little uh, at least. Um, then they started showing up and then they started enjoying it because well, I was holding them to something, but also I, they knew that I cared about them and they knew that I uh, had their best interest in mind. I wanted to see them succeed. And they were able to trust what I said. And I think that that has a lot to do with the connections that, that we had. And so I'm glad for that. And so I say it's a little bit bittersweet because it's come to an end. And these West Campus students, they were um, kind of a little bit sad at the end because they're like, well, sir, are you going to be here next year? Are you working here next year? I'm like, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm going to be working at a different school. And they were a little upset about that. But like, they didn't understand why I wasn't going to work there. I was working there during the summer, and so it didn't make sense why I wouldn't make there, uh, work there again. So it was a little bit bittersweet there. And I'm glad I was able to make connections with these students. And with, I had some structure in place, and I think that's something that they craved because maybe they don't have structure elsewhere. I don't know. But also they were able to trust me, and I was there every single day, and so they knew that they can count on me to show up. 
And they felt comfortable enough, like I said, to share some things that were going on in their lives that they maybe wouldn't share with other teachers or maybe even their parents. But they knew that I genuinely cared for them and I had their best interest in mind. Now with all of this said, the question I have is why is it that we trust certain people in our lives? What is it that, that they did to make us feel like we can trust them? Did they say something to us? Did they do something for us? What was it that made them be one of those people that we see in our lives as somebody that we can trust? And when it comes down to it, what about us? Who are we to other people so that other people can see us as trustworthy? What have we done in their lives to gain their trust and respect so that they can trust us? And to take it a step further, how is your relationship with God? My hope and my prayer is that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can trust God and you can rely upon his word. But if this is not the case, what is it that is keeping you from fully, I mean really and fully, trusting in God? So today, we are starting a new sermon series, and it's called Heroes of Faith. And so I, I chose this particular sermon series for a couple of different reasons. Uh, first and foremost, it's to kind of get some excitement back into um, the Bible stories uh, of old. Like maybe we, we learned about them when we were in um, Sunday school. Maybe we learned it like vacation Bible school, things like that. But maybe we haven't visited them in quite some time. So these are the heroes of faith. These are the people that have um, really shaped what our faith is. And so today we start with, in, in Genesis, we talk about Noah. So, who's Noah? Anyone? You're in the front row. <laughs> you can pass on to somebody else, that's fine. <laughs> Jason, what about you? What, what do you know about Noah? Who was he? Ark? Right. So when we think about that, we think about Ark, we might be think about um, the flood, right? And so, but there's more to it than that. But those are some things that we think about whenever we think about Noah. And I don't know how many times I've, I've experienced this, but there have been a lot of people that mix up Noah and Moses for whatever reason. But let's talk about Noah today. And so for this, we go all the way back to Genesis. And we're gonna look at three different sections in, in Noah's story, if you will. But it starts all the way back at the beginning in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. What well, we have to remember that um, Genesis is when the earth was created, right? Genesis 1-1 was the beginning of the story, but it was the beginning of our story and the earth's story. And so it starts with this. This is after Adam and Eve, um, this is um, several chapters in. Adam and Eve was, you know, uh, Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, that sort of thing. So this is a couple of chapters after. And it starts in Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 5. And it reads as follows. Now this is not so good. So it's going to start with the problem, and then there'll be some resolution. The Lord saw 
that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination, that means everything that they thought, everything, every inclination of their thoughts, of their hearts, was only evil, continually. That's not good. Continues on in verse 6, And the Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Remember, this is, this is God's creation. He loves humanity. So the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created, people together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now it's splitting into different things here, people, animals, creeping things, birds of the air, again, echoing the creation story. But Noah, Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. These are the descendants of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in generation, in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. Now I am going to destroy them along with the earth. So that's, that's the question here. It's like, okay, something has happened. Humanity is not good. Every inclination, every single thing that they are thinking, it's only evil. And that's not what God created. That's not the intention of God creating humanity. It was not for evil, but for good. And so something has gone wrong. So God's initial reaction is, okay, let's start over. Let's do a do-over. So he's going to blot out everything on the earth except Noah and his family. So that seems like a problem. And so the solution for God is to kind of start over again, to cleanse the earth. And then it continues in uh, a little bit further on in Genesis 8. Uh, that's supposed to be 8.20. Um, let's see. Yes. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord to make every clean animal and every clean bird and offering, burnt offerings on the altar. Yeah. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind, for the inclination of every human heart is evil from youth, nor will I ever again destroy every living creature as I have done. So keep in mind, the flood has happened and the ark was built, all that sort of stuff. And then this is on the other side of that. And as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So that's the next part. So there was the, the flood that happened because the Basically, God wanted a do-over, like everything has gone awry. Let's start over again. Let's try this again. 
So there was a re-creation. And then we get on to Genesis chapter 9. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear and dread of, of you shall rest on every animal of the earth and on every bird of the air and on everything that creeps on the ground and all of the fish of the sea into your hands they are delivered. Again, a recreation. If you look back, it's an echo to the beginning of Genesis. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And just as I have, just as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and with your descendants. And that's really important. You probably know this by now, but a covenant is a promise. It's almost like a signed contract, like this is a promise. I will um, do this and you will do this, equal parts, that sort of thing. So as for me, I am establishing a covenant with you and your descendants after you and every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as uh, come, came out of the ark. So it's not only a, a covenant with Noah and his family, but it's with all of creation. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall a flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant, that promise, that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. That means for us too. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, now remind, <laughs> keep this in mind, the last time there was um, rain clouds. There was a deluge. It was a flood. All the earth. So the next time you see a, a, a cloud in the sky that's going to be rain, you're thinking, oh my goodness, is it going to happen again? But no. God is saying, when I bring the clouds over the earth, don't fear, basically. And the bow is seen in the clouds. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every creature of all flesh and on the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, that's rainbow, of course, I will see it and remember that everlasting covenant, everlasting, not ending, covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. So here we are. We visited this story once again. But hopefully you see it in a little bit different light. Hopefully it's a little bit more than just a fun story that we hear about uh, in Sunday school or VBS or something like that. But what does it mean for us? See, the thing about this is that it is a nice Bible story because it wraps up nicely with a bow, with a rainbow. And so basically what it's saying is that uh, it starts with a problem, right? Humanity is wicked and all of their thoughts, every inclination is only for evil, only for sin. 
But God's solution was to scratch the whole human project and start all over. Meanwhile, there was one good person with whom God was delighted and found favor. And that was Noah. So instead of starting completely from scratch, he said, there was one good thing. So I'm going to keep that one good thing so we're not starting completely over. So God decides to start over with Noah and his family and two of every kind of animal that would go into the ark. So if you think about it, this ark was a recreation. Because of this ark, life was able to continue and able to flourish. And as expected, Noah was obedient, and that's a huge thing. Because if you've seen anything or you heard anything about Noah and building this ark, it didn't make sense to anybody else because nobody understood what he was doing or why he was doing it. But for Noah, he didn't know why he was even doing it. He was just being faithful. He was being obedient. God told him to do it, and he did it. No questions asked. I mean, he probably had some questions, but he didn't ask them. And so because of Noah's obedience and God's love for humanity, God makes a covenant with Noah and by default all humanity and all creation that God would never do something like this again. And we'd leave, would live happily ever after. But there's much more to it than that. It's not just a story that has no bearing on our lives whatsoever. It's not just something we look at like, all right, that's nice, and then never look at it again. Because hopefully we see more and more of these rain clouds, but, but I see rain clouds and I think, okay, yes, there's going to be rain. But then after the rain, there is a rainbow, and that rainbow is a sign of God's covenant to us and that he would never do something like this again. And so what this means for, for you as a human, what this means for you as a Christian, is because of all of this, you can take seriously and rely upon the fact that Jesus is the same yesterday, is the same today, and will always be the same. We can rely on that. And when God started over, he essentially recreated the world after cleansing it of sin. And he did so with Noah. And he chose Noah because he was the only one who was good. And he knew that Noah would be obedient. Fast forward to the time of Jesus. There's a long, a long way before we get to Jesus. But God essentially recreates the world again. But this time through the life of death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through God, uh, through Jesus, God saved the world from the power of sin in this world yet again. Instead of washing the world clean with water of a worldwide flood, God chose to wash the world clean with the blood of Jesus Christ. The promise that God made to Noah and humanity lives on and was even strengthened with another promise in, with, and through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So now we can rest, finally, finally rest in the power and the presence and the promise of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit forever and ever. So you can expect that your triune God will be the same yesterday, 
today and forever. And regardless of how much this world changes around us, the world that you live in, you can always, you can always count on the covenant, on the promise of God, and this time through Jesus Christ. You can with confidence know that Jesus means what Jesus says when he says, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. You can with confidence know that Jesus means what he says when he says, I will never abandon you nor forsake you. You can with confidence know that God means what God says when he says, I love you. I love you so much that I gave my only son so that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's how much God loves us, you, the entire created world. So we thank Noah for being one of our true heroes of faith. God was able to use this faithful servant, this obedient servant, in a very mighty way. And as this country celebrates its independence from the British rule a long time ago, we can also celebrate our independence from the things of this world and from the sin that so closely clings from us. But we can also celebrate our complete and utter dependence on our loving and living God. So may we take our cues from Noah, our hero of faith, and his obedience to God in uncertain and troubling times. May we take our cues from that. May we live that in our lives as well. And may we take joy in the knowledge that God made a covenant with Noah and humanity all of humanity, forever. And may we also find peace in the new covenant that God made with us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And may we live our lives in such a way that the people around us, the people that know us, know that we too are trustworthy, know that we too have their best interests, in mind know that we can be trustworthy as well because we serve and we follow a trustworthy God so my friends my church family may it be so may we be obedient and may we truly and fully live into that faith and that peace that comes from trusting God with everything that we have, even our very lives. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There's a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And please share this message with friends and family to help us spread the gospel message. And thanks again for joining us on Dilly First United Methodist Church podcast. Blessings.